You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for, because this is for the last. This is Reform Raza. My name is Martin Velasquez, alongside with my brothers. This is Justin Corona. And what up, everybody? This is Brother Vic. And you are now in the mix. Don't forget to hit us up at reformraza at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes. You can hit us up right there. Don't forget to follow the Instagram and the Facebook page. And don't follow us on Twitter because we don't have one. So don't even bother looking. Dang. Dang, bruv. Straight out. So gracias for tuning in on another episode of Reform Raza. Don't forget to hit that five-star like button. On Apple Podcast, don't forget to leave a review, a comment. It would really help us, and we would really appreciate if you do. And a voicemail. And a voicemail, a Gmail, all that kind of fun stuff. So, man, today, man, it feels like we haven't been in this for a while, man. One week off, and then all of a sudden, we're here. Yeah, it's (laughs) been a very, for us, it's been uh, quite a busy month. Yeah, man. Um, but nonetheless, we are back in it. And today we are Reformed Feelings. <laughs> feelings. So today's episode, we are continuing with the struggle series. And we're, oh, the topic of today is going to be idolatry, which is uh, probably one of the most overlooked uh, sin that a lot of Christians uh, still have lingering. Yeah, because once we think of idolatry, we think about statues and yeah. santos and things like that. But the the thing is the idolatry of the heart. What mm-hmm. is your what is your heart really holding on to? And so that's what's, what that's what this episode is about: idolatry of the heart. What is it that truly has your heart? So I, I would like to open up real quick with a scripture before we get right into the business. Which is First John, five twenty, and it's at the end of the first, the book of First John. It says, "And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know Him, who is true, and we are in Him, who is true, and in His Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols." Now, I'm pretty sure you listening and then all and and you know for myself i remember for a lot of a, a long well in, in the probably like the majority of my walk i was always like man that is so random why is that there at the end yeah. of the book of first john uh, but when you come to a uh, a better understanding of idolatry and, and idols in general um you you begin to really understand first john more so and how idolatry is that hidden root layer in a person's life and the fruit that comes from it is everything that is acted out um so i mean first john is all about idols even though it doesn't mention it it talks more so of the heart yeah 
And, and if it, and if we don't have Christ um, as number one in our lives, everything stems from idolatry apart from Christ. So what is idolatry? Let's define what idolatry is. Yeah, every time uh, when the word of God kept on mentioning uh, idolatry, or just that scripture that you mentioned, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I always pictured in my mind statues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, things in your house, uh, pictures of of the white Jesus or, or, or you know, things or like Obi-Wan that. Kenobi. Or Obi-Wan even if Kenobi. you have a statue of uh, John Calvin or Martin Luther in your house. Oh, dang. E. E. No, you just found some people right now, no? <laughs> But, but that's what I thought every time it came to idols. So me, I'm just like, man, of course I don't have any idols in my heart. Of course I don't mm-hmm. exalt anything above of Jesus. As scriptures mm-hmm. tells us not to do so. But um, we recently ha- had to uh, do a bunch of book work, uh, us three. We, had, we we were digging into a bunch of books because of uh, because uh, during the season of our, our time, we had to read a bunch of books. And we came up across a book called called Gospel. By, uh, by Timothy Keller. No, actually, actually it was from J.D. Greer. Oh, J.D. Greer. Tim- Timothy Keller did the by, forward. Forward yeah. is yeah. by him. But also, but, too, another book was Idolatry of the Heart by Timothy Keller. Yes. That's the one you're talking about. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's another one. But yeah, but, but on. I was reading I was reading the book. I'm like, okay, gospel. Okay, I know the gospel. Let's just read this just to say I read it. But I kept digging in. kept on talking about Idols of the Heart. And I'm just, when I read that book, I was like... Dang, I have idols in my heart <laughs> that I didn't even know about. So I have it in my heart <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't even know about, and so that, that it's about to get real. So let's define uh, uh, what what idols are. Tim, Tim, Timothy Keller says it like this: What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you see to give, anything you see to give you what only God can give. And that gives it a whole new meaning to idols because now we're not talking about just physical things or pictures or statues. Now it comes down to the real issue. What are you glorifying most in your heart that only God can give you? And so with that, I want to read a scripture. It's found in Colossians chapter three, verses one. I'm I'm, 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 going to do some reading. All right. This is this is a a podcast, biblical topics. We're going to do some reading right now. Because the gospel first is this. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, Colossians 3, uh, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the, on the earth. So this scripture is basically talking about, well, for, for me, it's saying justification. If you have been raised up with Christ, if you have given your life over to Christ, have been justified by faith, keep seeking Christ. Verse 3. If for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? That that's that's that imputation of, of Jesus' life transferred onto you, but also comes with an ado- adoption that our life is now with Christ. And so now God the Father, when he sees me, he no, no longer sees me as that sinner. He no longer sees me as that that you know that 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 old man, but now he sees me made new in the image of in the image of christ and that, that's going to keep going on to glory but now comes the sanctification part therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality impurity passion evil desire and greed which amounts to idolatry now this this captivated me right here real quick because i always thought idolatry was greed 
that, that's only what idolatry is but idolatry is all the other sins that were listed and this is a whole process of sanctification that we're all going through we're mm-hmm. going day by day and God's chiseling out the old, old man but in order to deal with these issues you have to know what is in your heart sexual immorality impurity passion and evil desire and greed and what scripture is talking about that all of these things are idolatry Mm-hmm. Not just something physical, but right now we want to ask the deep questions. What is in your heart right now? What is it in place of your heart that you you're seeking for comfort that only God can give you, but you're seeking for other things? That's the real question here. What is the idolatry in our hearts today? Dang, that's crazy because what's what's listed right here is mostly stuff that is inwardly. I mean, sexual immorality, yeah, that can be practiced, you know, physically, but impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness or greed, those are all things that come from the heart. Those are things that that are not physical. You know, it manifests itself in physical form, like greed when you, you know, try to take things for yourself that you just, you just want. Or covet it. It comes from the heart, though. It's an emotion that stirs up in your heart first, and then it comes out through you know, in the physical, but first the root of it is always in the heart first. So unless we look at the heart first, we're not, we're not going to deal with the actual problem. You can, you know, try to do whatever program to stop, you know, uh, thinking evil desires or start, stop committing sexual immorality. But unless you deal with the heart first, all that stuff is going to continue. Yeah. I'm reminded of a, of a scripture in the gospel how the Pharisees they were just focusing on, on the disciples when they didn't wash their hands. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Jesus was, was basically telling them, why do you focus on tradition? Don't you realize that it's not what, what is outside of a man, but inside of a mm-hmm. man that's dirty. And so the Pharisees, they were looking at the outside, the, the, the works of the outside. But Jesus was every time Jesus addresses issues of sin, he always addresses the heart. So Jesus was, was basically counterfeiting them and saying, uh, what's wrong is basically your heart. Because out of all of these things flow from the heart. Mm-hmm. So the heart is bad. It's not really modifying behavior. It's not It's not trying, trying to do good and follow the rules because in our natural, sinful self, we're going to break these rules. We're, we eventually will. But the, these matters are the issue of the heart. Yeah, and basically that. If, if you don't attack the root, you're always going to have a, a problem. So if I have a problem with, let's say, looking at pornography, right? And, you know, I'm able to, to stop my habit of looking at it. But instead, I start picking up another habit. Well, I'm just going to keep being in the game of switching habits until I deal with the core issue. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the same thing that if you go to like therapy and how they ask you all these questions and and they try to get to the root of the issue. Why? Because the root is what's causing the outward fruit from it. If you have a root issue, a root idolatry issue in your heart, it's going to continue to flow out in different ways. And so that's why the gospel is so needed to penetrate the heart of a sinner. It's not enough to bring a sinner or bring a person to church. It's not enough to, you know, let encourage him to change his habits or her habits on certain things. But we always need to make sure we're preaching the gospel to people, even the people that we think are already saved, because we can never assume 
And then at the same time, too, we never know exactly what they're going through. So, I mean, today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to put ourselves on check with you guys following along. We're going to ask, we're going to ask ourselves eight questions um, and we're going to, you know, answer them as honest and, and as, uh, I don't know what the word, as, as transparent as we, we're gonna, as we're gonna we can. Our, we're going to put ourselves on blast. We're yeah. going to rat each other out. We're going to rat ourselves out. But yeah, but yeah Resident Evil, I'm a snitch, ain't ashamed of that. <laughs> so during these eight questions, we're going to ask ourselves these questions. Um, and I hope that you guys will be able to follow along with us. Maybe answer out loud where, wherever you're at. You could answer with yourself. Um, just so that you're real with yourself. You could even write these down in the notes, you know, and, and go over it at the end of this episode on your own. Yeah. And even just seek out accountability if this is something that's troubling you. But um, yeah, so we're going to go ahead with the first question. The first, well, it's a, it's a two-part question. But the first one is, what is my greatest nightmare? And what brings me the most anxiety and fear? So I'll go ahead and answer. Uh, for me, I, I put being alone. For me, my greatest nightmare and, and what brings me the most anxiety and fear is me being alone. Not having uh, my family, not having anyone with me, but me being all by myself. Victor? <laughs> um, one of these things that, that came to mind first were what, what is my greatest nightmare, what brings me the most anxiety and fear. For me, I, I would say... Um, one of the answers I put down is losing my job to not being financially stable, not having income coming in. Like if I got the news that, hey, you know, you're fired or, or we had to let some people go and you're, you're the first one on the list, that would bring me fear and that would be anxiety. That would be that would be my worst nightmare, losing a job, which, which helps pay the bills and everything. That would be my nightmare. Yeah. My answer was kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. Because... Like honestly, when it comes to like, like I'm just a different person, you know what I mean. But when it came comes to like my biggest nightmare or what gives me anxiety, I don't really have a lot of those. But something that just popped up in my head as I was writing the answer to this question was losing my kids, like specifically drowning. I don't know why, you know what I mean. Like I've always had uh, dreams of someone drowning and that always has tripped me out how i have this constant dream which i would consider a nightmare mm -hmm. of the ocean and some me losing someone to the ocean i have no idea why but that's just that's just real you know what i mean yeah. um like when when we're at the pool i don't know if you notice me how i'm so careful with the kids or like i tell yeah. aiden like don't be jumping in the in the deep end like he knows how to swim now but it still trips me out when he jumps to the deep end. I don't know if he's coming back up, you know? So I don't even know where where that comes from. But that would be mine. Hashtag baptize your babies with caution. <laughs> Thank your babies with caution. Make sure they come back up. <laughs> the second question we have is, what if I failed or lost? What would cause me to feel that I did not want to live? Uh, this is the even harder question because now it's starting to get uh, a little bit deeper as to the what is our response so let me ask the question again it says what if i failed or lost would cause me to feel that i did not want to live uh, for myself uh, i 
I don't know. I probably wouldn't put myself into the extreme of wanting to um, wanting to not live. Yeah. But I know for me, what would hit me the hardest if I failed or lost would be um, me as a father and also me as a husband. Um, I, I, I feel like I, I probably wouldn't go to that sh- extreme. But I mean, I mean, I don't know where you guys are at the listeners. What would cause you guys to get to that point um, of something that you you would fail or lose? What would bring you there? But I know for me, it would bring me to a, a deep pit um, in my own life if I failed as a father or if I failed as a husband. And, you know, that because, man, I put so much emphasis in my own life. Uh, not everyone does, but of just how much the gospel reflects the, the household, how much I'm sorry, how much the household reflects the gospel uh, when it comes to marriage and, and as being a, a parent, how much that reflects the gospel. And I feel like if I fail in any of these areas, I would fail the gospel. And for me, that that's just one of the hardest things for me. And, and sometimes you know, maybe I might find myself compromising with my son just because I don't want to fail. And, you know, growing up, I've seen that with me and my father a lot. And, you know, that that's part of the reason, too, why I don't want to fail in this area. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the, the second question, I kind of answered it backwards because mm-hmm. because I thought, what well, what is something that would cause me to feel like I don't want to live? And I'm just like, uh. You know, I don't really know about that, but then I thought deeply. And so one of the things that would want me to cause me not to live is losing a family member. And then I went backwards and I said, okay, what what if I failed or lost at? And so I started thinking, um, what if I failed as a brother? What if I failed as a son? Mm-hmm. What if I failed as, uh, as, as, as an uncle? Not, not, not so much as physically losing a family. I mean, yeah, of course, but also losing that connection mm-hmm. that would cause, if you don't know, know Martin's my brother, that would cause Martin to be like, you know what, like, get away from me. I don't want to see you again. Yeah. Or what if my parents just, just reject me? Like, you know what? You, you really messed up this time. Get, just get away from me. I don't want to see you again. Like, how would that hit? So for me, mine would be losing a family member would not want, to, want me to cause me to live. And failing as a, as a son, as a brother, as as an uncle, that that would want me. That would bring me deep, deep shame. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go along those same lines. I guess my first answer, it's not so weird after answering this one, it would be to lose my kids or my wife. Like, I don't know about the whole if you would want to live part because you know, I'm always reminded of that song from by a beautiful eulogy. If, yeah. I'm like, man, that goes hard, and I, yeah. I feel like that, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's nothing really that would cause me to to really want to, you know, kill myself or to, you know, want to die. Even, because in that song it says, even if you would cause me to lose my wife and my kids. He said, he, he says, God, if you would cause me or bring me evil, I still wouldn't depart from you. And I feel very much like that, but... The fear of losing my kids or my wife, like physically, like to death, is something pretty strong in me because as the questions will go on later on to ask, I think there is a pattern right here of of having to lose someone because of past rejection. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I'll just leave it like that and you'll see why with the questions yeah. coming along. Well, yeah, because after these eight questions, we're going to ask some of the more 
What's uh, the pattern? Connecting, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. And then the third question. What do I rely on to comfort myself when things go bad or get difficult? Mm. Uh, so for me, I put recognition. Sometimes I rely on recognition, not in a way of um, being recognized as a great person or somebody with a platform, not being recognized as somebody popular or, or somebody well known, but more so just just to be recognized, uh, just to just to know that people know that I'm there, type of recognition. And sometimes I I find myself in that, like I I, I rely on that as, as comfort that I'm not invisible. That I'm seeing. That is where it gets real. <laughs> so, little, oh, hang, cho- hang little on, children, buddy. if you're hearing through this, cover your ears. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I put down something physical. Mm-hmm. Because where, where do I go for, for, for comfort when I've had a bad day, when, when something goes difficult? I'm reminded of when me and my brother and Cindy were, were, uh, were eating together. And I'm trying not to drink soda. But then I had this really bad difficult day. I'm just like, you know what? Give me a soda. I, I had a really bad day. Just give me I a soda. I remember that day. I think one of those days you said that too. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I, I put I put one of mine as like you know junk food. Just yeah. I go to comfort like man. Just give me an ice cream. Give me like an In and Out burger. Give me give me some Coke. The drink. The soda. Okay. Give me some Coke. Give me give me something because I feel really bad and I feel and I need to get something physical. Or, or, or not only that, just to get my mind distracted off of things, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll watch a movie or, or, or play games on, on my on my iPad because I want my mind not to focus on, on the things that I had. And nothing like a good drama movie to focus on someone else's drama so you don't have to focus on your own, you know? It's, 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 it's something physical. And not only that, I'm, I'm, this is really the part where it gets real. So, sometimes for, for comfort, what like um, maybe I feel like like insecure or or i feel unattractive i'm just gonna be real sometimes those instagram feeds pop up and i'm just like man i want to look at this this girl in the picture just that my mind can can feel like this is what i want Mm -hmm. and i have to catch myself at times because if i if i don't focus on it too much it'll your mind will just start to wander off right here and this is where it gets real deep about the idols and i'm being really transparent right here that sometimes my comfort is lust in looking at other women, and if you're not careful, it'll go it'll go the wrong way. But yeah. that's where I find my comfort right there. Yeah, I think every man can relate to that one right there. You know those hidden habits that we have that we don't really want to talk about. Just how it is, you know what I mean? So, what was the question again? What do I rely on to comfort myself when things go bad or get difficult? My dad, my father, he had a dream of me one time when I was in the streets that he told me about. And it's always stuck with me. He said that there was, he had a dream that someone was pointing a gun to my head. But then those, that gun turned into headphones. So mine, mine would be music. Like music. I love to listen to music. And I have playlists on, on my phone that I listen to when I'm in certain moods. Like I have a playlist for everything. Playlist when I'm feeling good, playlist when I'm feeling angry, when I'm feeling sad or whatever it is. Uh, for me it would be music, I run to music. Like, like I listen to the lyrics a lot 
and by the music that I'm listening to, if you listen to the lyrics, is expressing what I feel. So without me saying something, I play the music to express what I feel by the lyrics and by the beat and everything. But I find myself running to that a lot. Like depending if I'm in a bad mood, I'm gonna listen to some different kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So I would say that I find my comfort in listening to music, you know? And that's the thing, instead of running to the Lord, you know, we run to these all, all these yeah. other things, you know. Mm-hmm. And one thing that, one thing that you're not gonna hear in these answers is Jesus. And that's that's the the real transparent. <laughs> that's, that's the real yeah. thing. That's just being real. We're gonna say all these things that we feel that we run to, but just gonna expose that we don't really run to the Lord in our time of need. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly why we need the Lord even more, because we recognize these things and we come to that realization. We repent and we come to him. And the good thing about the grace of God and the mercy of God is his his mercies are new every day, every morning. Just like in First John chapter two. I need Jesus more today than I needed him when I got saved or before I got saved. I need him more now. I heard uh, Paul Washington in the sermon. He says his mercies are new every day. And he says, I rely on that more now, more than ever. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that. I'm just like, man. That's on the mercies of God. Yeah, I started thinking about that more when I listened to him, Paul Washer, you know, saying, and then and another thing when he's like, you know, all the time people ask me, you know, you know what, you know, the greatest thing that I've learned, or you know, all these things, but I always tell him the same thing, or or, or yeah, they'll even ask him too, like, what's your secret? What do you do? And all that. He's like, brother, I just want to make sure I make it to the end. Uh-huh. I'm only worried about myself and my family. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's real hard stuff you know what i could say the same thing i, I do as well go to music as well uh, most times i i go to uh there's this band called wolves at the gate mm-hmm. man they got some good music and if you listen to wolves at the gate you know what i'm talking about uh, my favorite album was types and shadows their songs man so the next question is what do i think most easily about what do I daydream about when I'm free? What preoccupies me? So this is a, a three-part question. So again, that's what do I think most easily about? What do I daydream about when I'm free? And what preoccupies me? Um, I I put for myself more recently, it's been um, just leaving, getting away. Um, it's been preoccupying uh, my mind and some things that I think about when I'm just free, not thinking about anything else about just leaving and, and just getting away um, not running away by myself but just just getting out of here because sometimes I, I see you know upcoming stress I see upcoming you know things that we have to do and take care of and I'm just like man like I just want to get away like just I don't know just leave and in 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 that way just avoid problem in general like just start over fresh For me, I put I put it down like, like this, and this is again one of those transparency parts because uh, one thing about me, I can be extrovert at times, but then there could be seasons where I'm just introvert and I'm just thinking with dwelling within myself and just thinking about things. And so this one, this question actually really hit me, and I didn't know what to put down because I'm always thinking about something. I'm always dwelling on the on the thought. I'm always dwelling on. On, on, on something, it's always something, but I, I put this just to be real. 
it's a what 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 do I think most easily about what what do I dream daydream about when I'm free? I just put um within my mind I'm just thinking of the future version of myself. I'm daydreaming about like man I want to be physically fit or man I, I just I just want to work towards this uh, this certain goal I want to work to, towards uh, towards a brand new car I want I, I want to have the the materialistic things and I want I want to get there I want to be the perfect version of myself I don't want to be me right now I want I want that perfect version that I'm seeing myself in my head that that person who's uh who's who's physically fit that person who who has has it all. That, pe- that when people look at him, they'll be like, man, this guy has, has his life together. But what preoccupies me is that I'm not there. What preoccupies me is, is, is the process of getting there. And so I'm thinking about the future version of myself, but it's like kind of like, how do I get to that point? And that's what causes me to, to, to be frustrated within myself for not getting there, for not being there. Not thinking about the the pains that that comes with that, but but that that's what preoccupies me. That's what I daydream about the future version of myself, and 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 I beat on myself when I'm not there. And again, it's just to be transparent with everybody. Yeah, man, uh, mine would be music again. Like that's just my escape. You know what I mean? I mean, like just getting like lost in the music. Like not even thinking about anything else, but thinking about like, like when I'm listening to some heavy metal, like what if I was in a band or listening to the hip hop? What, what if I was a rapper and things like that? And just get caught up in, in these fantasies and dra- daydreams yeah. of getting being an artist or something. Like I, I, don't, I don't even know why that happens. You know what I mean? But it's just the, the music that just gets you lost and takes you places where you don't even want to go or think about going but your mind just wanders off and then you get lost in the music you get lost in the lyrics you get lost in in the in the story that you're listening to whatever it is and then you know you're you're wandering off the next thing you know you're caught up thinking about certain situations or a song that reminded you of the past or this song brings back memories of a ex-girlfriend or you know kicking it with the homeboys or whatever it is and you start thinking you start dwelling and you start thinking about oh what if i would have done this differently back in the past how would my life be then and you know what if you know she start thinking about i start thinking about like embarrassing moments oh what if i didn't do that and what if i did this and what if i would have stayed with that one chick and how would my life be now and then this my mind works like that you're just drifting off to all kinds of situations next thing you know when you're back at reality you're like dang then you're left with the feeling of unfulfillment or unsatisfaction unsatisfaction Mm -hmm. my life could have been differently if I would have done this in the past or all all by listening to music all by listening to a song you know what I mean and ultimately that causes Mm -hmm. you to resent what you already have exactly and it gets your focus off the things that God has already given you, mm-hmm. you know? So I will say music for that one, too. You know, I, I could see that now because you always put such an emphasis on worship music whenever we play, like, one Hillsong song yeah, and all that. Because you're so big on music. Yeah, dude. Uh, so this next question, I'm going to ask it. I'm going to give it a little pause so that you, the listener, have time to just think about this one, too. 
The next question is, what prayer, if unanswered, would make me seriously think about turning away from God? Hmm. All right, I'm going to ask it one more time. What prayer, if unanswered, would make me seriously think about turning away from God? Uh, for myself, um, I didn't really have an answer for, for this one. I, I couldn't think of anything that... Well, currently, that would um, cause me to think about turning away from God. But previously, and I say this because I, I feel like more recently for myself, I um, I, I found that, that God has put me in a position recently where I'm, you know, 100% like, man, I'm, I'm not leaving the faith. I'm 100% there. And, you know, I, I mentioned it a couple times in a couple other episodes um, just about when what what made me question my salvation made me question about my faith was when i saw brothers that i really looked up to um that you know i just like how now how we're being transparent on this episode you know we were transparent in person the bible studies we we hung out every day and all that and, and you know things one after the other you know they left the faith and i say that because they don't serve god right now and and that really rocked me and even myself, you know, I found myself in sin during that time at the same time. And, and it really made me question about, um, am I really saved? And, 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 and really, is, is, is this worth staying in, you know, being a Christian, being saved? And that was probably about three years ago. And, um, but, but since then, the Lord has really helped me through that, really cemented and grounded me in his word. And that's, that's basically a testimony of how I came to reform theology was because events took place and, and you know, it, it led me to scripture and I had to seek things out. I had to, otherwise I wouldn't, otherwise I would have turned away from God. Um, but yeah, currently today, I, I don't have any type of prayer that would make me think about turning away from God. Yeah, for mine, I, I put nothing. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, just at this point in my life as i'm getting to more into into the bible i understand more the sovereignty of god i understand more about the attributes of god which which helps me deal with life knowing that now knowing that i am a child of god and that God is in control because he sits on the throne. But I want to I want to share something like how you said, Justin, something that previously, because obviously through through the sanctification process, God has to chisel out some things to make you um, more, more like him, more like Jesus Christ. And so what was previously kind of like bothering me. And again, this is transparency. I say transparency just to give myself comfort that I. Hey, I'm in a safe place right You're now. You're in a safe place. Like, I'm in a safe place. <laughs> um, but one thing that that was really like, kind of like, man, why isn't God answering or anything? Is um, the fact that, that that I'm single. That's something that really really bothered me because um, even previously before, it's not that that oh I just prayed and that's it. No, I actually tried to, you know, talk to women and try to actually connect and just as the years went went by uh, it, it, it just didn't come through and so at that point I was just asking God like God am I 
Am I ever going to get married? Am I, uh, is there someone for me? I see my brothers and sisters, they're clicking. They're, they're getting together. But, but what about me, God? That really made me question God. But I mean, today I, I, I understand his sovereignty and, and I'm confident when I say this, that I understand first Corinthians uh, chapter seven is it chapter seven. Yeah. Paul talks about, um, singleness being being a gift mm-hmm. and now Paul is saying I wish you guys were like I am and I want to spare you these troubles that you're going to have when you're married again not saying that married being married is a curse or anything the Bible has both as a gift mm-hmm. it is a gift and the word of God does say he who finds a wife finds favor with the Lord that got to me at times and I'm like man do I not have your favor God but then I, then I started seeing no, that God has blessed me with time to spend in his word time to to be involved in ministry because i'll always say i'm gonna make a joke about it, but it's true i ain't got ask permission for nothing <laughs> i can if i wanted to go somewhere i can just go but i thank god for him giving me that because at the end of the day i'm gonna be in the presence of my father forever along with my brothers and sisters and we're gonna be one worshiping the lord and we're not even going to be focusing on, God, why didn't you give me a wife or anything like that? We're not going to be focused on that because as Revelation 21 says it, one day we'll, he will be our God. We will be his people. There'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrows. For the order, order of things that pass away, behold, he makes all things new. And every time I read it, I think about that. Every time I read Romans 8, I understand the sovereignty of God and that we're only here for a moment. But that, that really did kind of get me. But now, but now I understand God more. I understand his sovereignty. And now I'm confident that nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah, man. For me, I mean, if you know my testimony, it's on episode one. It's on gangsta grace in season one that we did um man the way that i got saved dude i mean it's crazy you know um and i always think about that still to this day um i don't think there's there's nothing that would be able to to for me to leave the faith like i mean i feel like convicted you know when when i don't seek him you know I feel convicted when I when I sin. I feel convicted when, you know, I'm not, excuse me, being the best, you know, father or husband, and that pushes me to to do it even more. And it's really God's hand. I really do feel God's hand upon my life that He keeps me from, you know, committing some serious sin or just He keeps me. You know what I mean? He really does keep me and. Um, I dwell on my past life sometimes and I'm like, dang, that is only a work of God. And what is there to go back to? Like, I I have even played that scenario out in my mind. Like, what if I would just say, you know what? Screw Christianity. I'm just going to go to the world, you know? Uh, yeah, cover your ears. <laughs> cover your ears, little children. <laughs> like, what if I would just said, you know, like that, you know, like, forget it I'm just gonna go do my thing like what kind of reputation would I have you know with people that know me in the past with people that know me right now not only that but 
like the realities of heaven and hell like i'm convinced you know what i mean so i don't think there's nothing that would like if i were to pray for something and it didn't come true like nah i mean of course it would be hard whatever it is that didn't, that didn't yeah. come i'm not saying that i'm just gonna be this you know gliding through it now it would be hard but there's god has a hold of me you know what i mean and i and i can feel it and i know that he does so there's really nothing that that would make me leave the faith you know you know before we go to the next question too if if you're listening and, and maybe you do have an answer for number five for this question here um don't feel bad don't feel um like like we're like we're better than you or no by any no no you know just because we don't have our answer um at the at the at the moment we don't have anything that that would do that but i mean if you do personally have um uh, a prayer that if if it goes unanswered you know you would seriously think about turning away from god i would challenge you to to be open with another brother or sister mm-hmm. um to share these things you know all these questions it, it, it'd be very beneficial for you to share these things with somebody close whether it be your spouse if you're married um with another brother or sister if you're not married um anyone with your pastor with your pastor yes mm-hmm. so that they know where you're at too um, because the, the whole point of this is to seek basically through these questions and then at the end it's to see what what idols are we harboring in our hearts and ultimately if 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 we're not able to expose it and help and and you know get through it on our own we need somebody with us yeah we need to have another brother we need to have another sister to help us that they could point out something we don't see and to help us in prayer to help us in edification yeah, as hard as it is, the best way to deal with issues, problems, or or things that you just don't know about is to drag the darkness into the light. And as hard as it may seem expressing it to a brother or, or sharing, you have to drag it into the light. If not, God will drag it to the light. Mm-hmm. And But th- these are these are to help you. It's not to put anyone down. Yeah. It's just to, to expose ourselves. We're doing this exposing ourselves, but it's to, to address these, these, uh, these idolatries of the heart. Yeah, and even though it's it, it may be like a momentary uh, sting, as far as whatever may come from you sharing such things, rejection or whatever it may be, but nonetheless you're able to air it out. Um, but yeah, so now the next question is, the sixth question is, what compliment do I long to hear from others? What makes me feel the most self worth? What am I proudest of? So that's another three part um, question. For me. Man, this was a hard one when when I started writing this down, and even because <laughs> we were part of a, a I don't even call it like an event for a weekend, and we we're going over this, man. I, I started I started crying trying to write this down, but um, for me, it's hearing the words "I love you" and also "You were doing a good job," and for me, that that was a hard one because I, I think back a lot to my childhood. Um, growing up, I had a father, you know, I had a father in the home. But he was always angry and a lot of times when he got home from work he'll go straight to the beer he'll go straight to get drunk and and growing up i never heard him tell me i love you or i'm proud of you apart from him being drunk the only time i ever heard that was when he was drunk outside of you know just being sober i never heard it and so for me those were the the words that i always longed for was somebody just to tell me i love you 
somebody just to tell me I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing or you're doing a good job. And I feel like because that's something that's always just been lingering in my heart, I feel like I do that purposely to my son so that he would reply it back to me. Like, like if you know me, uh, you'll see me or my wife will say, I love you to our son. And, and sometimes I wait just to hear him say, I say it back to me. And you know, that, that comes from, you know, from me growing up, you know, I didn't really have that. And so, you know, in, inside me, you know, that, that's, that's something that, you know, even to this day, it still wears on my heart. Just recently, uh, me and my father had a long conversation, <laughs> like probably like three weeks ago. Uh, for no reason, I just started lashing out on my dad because we, we live together. I started yelling at him and he was yelling at me. We were yelling at each other for a good 30 minutes. And then at the end, I was like, I don't even know why I'm mad at you. And then he looked at me confused and I was like, you know what? I resent you. I've been resenting you all this time, but I never shared it. And we, you know, we had a, a man, it was, it was a long moment, but, but we were both crying and I was able to hold them and, and say, I love you. And I, I never really spoke to you saying, I forgave you for not, you know, being there. Cause he was always working. And, and then when he would come home on his off time, he would get drunk with my uncles. But I thank God for that moment a couple of weeks ago. I was able to do that and man, I want to give God praise because if I wasn't able to recognize that, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Yes. Um, it's crazy how our, we don't recognize that our childhood really does affect even our parenting. Yeah. Because same thing with me, like my mom, she was very, she's a hard Mexican woman, like no emotion. Brick like, wall. Like for real. Like that's where I get my hardness from, like my mom. And never growing up did I hear those words from her either. You know what I mean? Like, usually, you know, Mexican kids, they're all about their mothers. They get their mother's name tatted and things like that. For me, every Mother's Day and every every time on her birthday, it's weird for me. Because I know that I have to tell her, oh, mom, you know, <clears throat> I love you, you know? And it's weird because we never had that kind of relationship. The only time that she really... I saw that side of her was when my kids were born. When my firstborn, when Aiden was born, my firstborn. It's like, who is this woman? You know, like she's so she's all affectionate and soft now. Like, why didn't I get that? And then I said, if it even affects our parenting, because I make sure that I tell my kids that I love them and that they say it back to me. You know, because I don't want to. I don't ever want to be like my mom in that way, where. I never heard those words f- from, like, I want them to know that those words have come from me, you know? So every night after we pray, oh, you know, good night, I love you, they say it back. And so, yeah, man, like, our childhood really does affect our parenting and the way that we see things, even if we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. I'll talk more about that later on. <laughs> All right, the three-parter. Uh- for this question, for the, for these, uh, I didn't really put three parts. I just put one thing. I might put theologically correct, but I'm gonna break it down. What 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 really is the root of that being theologically correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what compliment do I long to hear from others? The compliment that I hear want to hear is sometimes it's a 
just hearing words like, like kind of like, man, that's my brother or that's my son, that's my friend, that's my core, but in a, in a good way, you know, like, damn, that's my brother, or yeah, she, that's my son. But I want, I want people to, I want to hear people to be to be proud of me. Those words, like, man, you did it, you did a good job. Yeah. Like so, me even even at work, I'll work hard just so that people can say, "Hey, Victor gets down in his, in his job, and hey, he got down on this." Those are the compliments that that long to hear from others. Like, man, this this guy gets down. This guy, man, I, let me talk to this guy. What makes me feel the most self worth? The what makes me feel more self worth is um, when I know within myself that I did a good job. Or that I put in the work to do something. Like even even pretty, I've shared this before. In, in when, when I was pastoring in the beginning, if I like, man, I want people to hear this guy can preach, or this guy can do this, and my, I would find my self worth when when people would say that, and I'd be like, yeah, I did. Like, oh, thank you for acknowledging. Yeah, but I, you know, kind of because because only people only preachers know the work that they put behind it but as i grew in the pastoral i know that it was not my glory but god's glory but then in other areas of my life i do i do want find myself worth in that and the work that i put into it so that people just so i can hear that from people not really so much for my benefit but just so that people can hear because i can hear other people say say this and like i talk about my work or anything else like man this guy this guy this guy can do it and uh, one of my one of my most uh, proudest of is uh, what, what was just that when, when I hear those words, like I'm proud of that. I mean, I guess you could say it's a sense of, of well, yeah, it's pride. But you know, those are words I long for. That's why. That's why when it comes to that's why when I put theologically correct, it was just so, so I can hear those 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 things like, hey, this guy knows his word. Hey, this guy, you know, like, man, look at the, man, did you hear, did you hear him last time? Like, man, this guy was so good. And so that, that comes down from a root of like, just exposing the root because as a little kid, I, I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear people say I'm, they're proud of me. It was most, it was kind of like, the way that I, yeah, I expected, like, I, like I did people, I did things that people can notice, but then when nobody notices, I'm like, man, I'm not worth anything then. Mm-hmm. And so I never share this with anybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm just being transparent, exposing myself, because, like I said, if you don't drag things into the light, these problems will never you, you'll, you'll keep them bitter in your heart. I feel, I feel like that's like a I mean, this this question is probably just common um, amongst a lot of first generation families, first generation children of, of immigrants and and, and and just people, because it's not it's not just within Latino culture. I mean, just this past event, we we're talking to people, you know, that that are from Korean immigrants and 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 you know from different areas of of just different cultures, and they experience the same thing as being a first generation born in America. And and I feel like that's that's something that's common is just hearing those things. I feel like it's expected because they had it hard coming to America. That is expected that that the children should be doing well because they're not in the same environment they were once in. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And so now the next question is. Wait, I didn't get oh, to answer mine. Oh, I thought you did. Yeah, you you answered before Victor. No, no, no. He was, I was re- yeah. Reflecting oh, your reflecting, yeah. Oh, sorry. Come on, bro. Yeah. 
I'll put myself on blast. That's why I'm playing this song. You could have told me. I could have gotten the sound bite again for this, so like that we, way. I feel like this, we, this happened before. Just don't bump that in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, me. What you, what you were saying, Victor, is just being theologically accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get too caught up in you know that feeling. You know, and I think that's a a common thing about. You know, reform people that we want to be so theologically correct that we forget to just love the Lord. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For who He is, and especially when it comes to teaching or preaching or doing podcasts. You know, we we get so focused on being theologic theologically correct that if someone says, "Hey, man, you you said this wrong or this and that," you're like, "Oh man," you know. You seek to you seek to get man's approval more. And not seeking the glory of God more. Yeah. So that would be mine. You know what I mean? To to worry about being theologically accurate. Yeah, and I think too the the, the common thing for us that 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 long for those type of compliments, you know, good job, and and I'm proud of you. I think subconsciously too that we probably overwork ourselves mm. in this Christian walk. Not so much as if it were like you know, if I do this, I'm gonna be saved. But more so because how it says in the word, how it says, you know, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. Yeah. That's that's the ultimate phrase I want to hear, you know. And and I feel like some, you know, there were times in my life where I, I overworked myself so that I I would secure that that um, that response from God. But then I, I, I need to take a seat back and you know what? Like I'm, I'm receiving it by faith and yeah. not by my works. Uh, the next question is What painful or scary memory Haunts me most often mm. <laughs> We could skip this one We're, we're out of time uh, We're out of time we're almost an hour is really from is really Don't forget to send us your <laughs> <laughs> Alright so that question again is What painful or scary memory Haunts me most often um, For me it's more of a painful memory Um it's uh, it's a mix of memories it's i guess it's memories all put together but then also to a memory in itself is uh number one to be like my father and and i put on my answer in parentheses past because my father's not the same person who he was back then um yeah because he you know growing up he ignored our family and not you know just just to ignore us he he had a lot of problems that he was trying to deal with and didn't know how to go about dealing with it he didn't know god he you know even today he's still trying to to figure it out um i thank god that i'm home that i'm able to answer his questions but but even then you know he dealt with a lot of trauma as a child his father beat him beat his mom my grandmother um and beat all my my tios and tias and that was the reason why my grandmother fled to go to America because they didn't have it at home. And he dealt with all that that trauma as a child. And you know, and I feel like that's what he was dealing with and because he was so focused on not trying to be like his father that he in turn, you know, ran to alcohol 
to try to drown out his problems. And that's that's another solution type thing that we're going to talk about later. But uh, and so because of that, he in a way just didn't give us the intention that that we needed as children. Um, I thank God now, though, because he gives my youngest sister that attention, though. Because now he 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 went through a, a life crisis situation where he had to do better or he was going to die. Um, so now he sees his error and trying to work through that. Um, but I, I think that haunts me because where it led him, it led him to being divorced by my mother um, when I was in middle school. And, and I still remember that night, you know, I, I came home from school. I mean, my mom and dad would always argue all the time. But then I remember one night we came home and she was like, all right, you're going to go in, you're going to grab your clothes and you're going to come out. I go inside. My dad's drunk. He's yelling at us, asking us why we're grabbing our clothes. And then he say, why are you leaving me? Why are you guys leaving me all alone? And and that still rings in my ear. He's like, you guys don't love me, huh? And then you guys, all of you guys are leaving me. And, you know, that it doesn't haunt me, but that's a painful memory. I I can look back. Um, was that, you know, that his way of trying to cope and deal with his childhood trauma led to that situation. Um, and and that and in a way that that pains me because I don't want to end up in that same situation. But I thank God by his grace that, you know, that that I'm learning that I'm able to share these things and, and I'm able to work through these things. Thank, thank God for the gospel. And I'm able to help my father now. Amen. Man. Uh, this one's, man, I don't want to share this, but master. Um, words, uh, words, uh, do have an effect on people. Not that you can speak things into existence. No, I'm not talking about all that stuff. When Proverbs talks about, you know, the power to lift up and the power to bring down, it's talking about words. They can use people to discourage them or encourage them, not words that, you know, speak, uh, speak this thing into existence. And you have you, you know, your words are as powerful as God. No, we're not gods. All right. But words do have a power and effect on people. And so one thing that kept on ringing to me in my ear as a little kid was two things. One is uh, ruining things. Like always feeling like like if I'm the one that that ruins something. And the second thing that I always heard was, if you're gonna do something, do it right. If not, don't do it at all. And uh, those two uh, words uh, right there just uh, they scare me at times. They bring back trauma. Because now I find myself um, not wanting to hear that from anybody. And that causes problems because one, if I don't want to ruin something, I'm not going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's something new, I'm going I'm to have a fear of doing it because I don't want to ruin it. And that, that word that keeps ringing into my ear that if you're going to do something, do it right. That's why I have to ask a couple times, is this what you want me to do? Hey, I know you're, I'm asking you a couple, a lot of times. I just want to know so I can do it right. Like uh, I'll ask uh, one of my co or, you know, my supervisor. Hey, I know you told me this, but are you sure it's this? Are you sure it's that? Just so I can make sure that I'm doing it right. 
or just to, so I can make sure that I'm not ruining anything and that will cause me not to not to go after new things. And I, this goes along with the last question because it's those, those I want to hear those. I'm proud of you. I, I want to hear those words. I don't want to hear it. You ruin you ruin things. Or, man, if you're going to do it, do it right. If not, don't do it at all. Because that would just bring me down to not want to do it or not want to go after it. And in a couple of moments, we're going to see how all of this, all of this reflects to some deep issue in life, deep idolatry in life. But that's one of those scary moments. For me, it's traumatizing. And it being an intro does not help at all, man. Sometimes I'm like, God, why did you wire me this way? <laughs> but being an introvert doesn't help at all because it's not only those words, but it's those root words that will, like, if I hear something that I don't like about someone, I'll just stay quiet because I don't want to hear it again. And this is uh, something deep within me that I struggle with, that I battle with. And uh, it's only by the grace of God that, that I have not committed suicide. And that's just being real. Yeah, man. Um, for me, dang, dude. When I was a kid, um, man, I was—I never fit in nowhere. You know what I mean? Never fit in with my family. Never fit in at school, anything like that. But one occurring thing that keeps happening is uh well when i was a kid my sister she told me that i was an embarrassment to the family name and you know growing up in my neighborhood typical mexican neighborhood my tias my tios they lived right in front of us so we had a lot of cousins a lot of cousins and we were, i was always clowned on by them i never felt like i was part of their family um you know, during Christmas time, during Thanksgiving, all my family would come over and it was packed, 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 packed. Um, but never feeling truly part of the family. And so that would go on, you know, to the kids in the neighborhood, which was which was why I joined the hood to become part of something. And then later on in life, some things happened uh, with my wife's family to the part where, you know, I felt rejected by them. And even recently, you know, getting kicked out of our previous church, that feeling of rejection coming again. So an ongoing theme that has been occurring in my life, which is rejection, you know, this feeling of unwantedness from my own family, to the streets, to even to church, you know? You can totally feel rejected by even the church. I know plenty of people, that's why they leave church because they don't feel accepted by the church. So that would be an oncurring nightmare, you know, like never really feeling accepted um, by, by anyone. You know, that feeling of rejection is something that really has been a thing in my life that has shaped me, you know, to the point where, you know, I reject people before they reject me, you know, to the point where I put up this wall with people in order to avoid that hurt, to avoid that pain, 
there's a song by NF. It's called Mansions. And man, that song is deep, dude, because that's exactly how I felt, you know? There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a line in there where he goes, I'm in the, I'm inside the door and he, he said he's not coming out. So keep knocking, keep coming, but I'm not opening the door, something like that. But he made the analogy of, that's why the song is called Mansions. You know, he built himself this, this house where he can be safe in there. But then he realized he's a, I build this, I build this house so um, I can be, cause I thought I would be safe in there. But I come to realize I'm not the only thing that's living in here. I was like, dang. You trap yourself out from the world to avoid being hurt, but then you find yourself being locked in and dealing with the realities of your mind and your heart and your emotions. So in reality, you're not escaping anything. You think you're safe by locking yourself in, but in reality, you're just now in a room with all your thoughts and your feelings. And that can be even worse. Well, that is worse because now you think that you're escaping some sort of pain, but in reality, you're just dwelling in the pain. So that, that was, I would say that, that, this feeling of rejection. And then the last question we do have is what, no, it's a two part. So what do I really want and expect out of life? And then what would really make me happy? Uh, for myself, I put uh, to be welcomed and received. Uh, yeah, I feel like for myself that 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 is something I, I would that would really make me happy. Um, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but just in general, just to be welcomed and received, that's all I want. Like you know, just as I mentioned before, you know, I want recognition. Not so much for, you know, being this great person, but just to be noticed. And then even, you know, to to me and my father as a child growing up, wanting to hear I love you and I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. You're doing a good job. You know, it really comes down to that. You know, I, I just want to be welcomed. I just want to be received into a group um, where I'm, you know, noticed in that way. Uh, yeah. Um, for for me, I I just put down uh, to be successful. Uh, with everything that that that's been spoken of, it's just that so I can have all the things that I want. Not really so much. I, I love how somebody explained it. It's not that to be rich, but to have choices. Mm. It's that, like, if I want to go do something, yeah, I'll go do it because I have the money to do so. Or, like, uh, you know, to have to have that stability in, in a job. And if I don't like that, to go somewhere else. But just to be successful in all, overall general. And that would make me happy because it would make me proud of myself knowing that I did it. Yeah. And that people will recognize me and say, yeah, he did it. So just to be successful in not only work or anything, not, it's not even about being rich, just about being successful in, in everything. Uh, ministry, theologically correct, as, as, as I said, but just to be successful, successful in all areas of my life. For me, man, 
the pattern that I see throughout this whole thing kind of culminates in this thing, right? Why would I have a fear of losing my kids and my family? It's because that's the only thing, the only acceptance I have ever really had. When I come home and my kids running to me, being excited when I come home from work, running down the stairs, and I hear a knock, my kids going, daddy, 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 daddy's here, and they run. And then, you know, not wanting to lose that. And then coming down to this feeling of rejection, you know, uh, exposing itself through the music, getting lost in the fantasy of what of this and what of that. All culminates down in this, you know, being accepted, you know, mm-hmm. being popular, being well-known, being well-received, being... Um, having that sense of belonging, you know? And it all culminates down, I say it culminates down that one because that's where it really stems from. Just wanting to be accepted or received. But the thing is that we have already been accepted and received by the creator of the universe. Mm -hmm. You know? And this is why, you know, we, well, at least me has, has emphasized really doctrine of election and predestination because God wanted you or wanted me from before the foundation of the world. So all the hurt and all the pain and all my fears and all my struggles, I forget that the one that really truly matters the most has already received me and has accepted me and has seen my pain and has seen my struggle and knows my fears and my doubts, yet he loves me the same. And I think that's the root of of what we're trying to get at with this episode, that our hearts, even though we're Christian and we have been regenerated, we have been born again, we're in the Lord, we have the Spirit of God, we're, we, we, we can say that we know that we're adopted and we know that we're justified and we know that you know he will persevere us to the end. But until it really comes to our heart, knowing that we are received and we are accepted and that we do have a father that loves us and receives us, like, what's going to change? The, the root of idolatry is that we We're don't not, love God yeah. as we should. I mean, Martin Luther even said it like that, that all the Ten Commandments write on the, write on the first one. You know, and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when we don't do that, we make an idol for ourselves. Whether it's money, success, identity, and something else. Trying to find our identity in other people or feeling accepted by other people. Like if that's what makes us who we are. There's, you know, every celebrity that has all the money and all the fame in the world. Yet the, the tragic end is overdose or suicide or something like that. They have all the stuff that supposedly is gonna make us happy. They have all the money, they have the acceptance and the fame and the riches and the glory. But yeah, that does not satisfy the soul. What is it to gain the world but lose your soul? Mm -hmm. And we need to come to realize that, you know? Why? I'm gonna speak for myself. I need to come to realize that that my true satisfaction 
and my identity really is rooted in Christ Jesus. Because my heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, you know? And only God knows it, how wicked I am. And yet, he sent his son to die for me still. Knowing that after I have received salvation, that I still hold to some of these things in my heart, and I don't hold them up as high as I should. And I don't love them the way that I should. But yet, he loves me perfectly. And that's that's why we will persevere because he holds on to us and what, man what, what is how deep is the love of God for us like he truly does love us and when I look at myself it's like man why why would he love me why would he care for me if every day I recognize my sin and I sin against him sometimes purposely you know we don't sin unknowingly. Yeah, sometimes we might, but we sin knowingly all the time. I sin knowing that God is displeased with this kind of thing. But yet, we are embraced by him. The love of God, the mercies of God, the grace of God does not run out. Yeah. That is crazy, dude. It's never ending. <laughs> and. And so with, with these eight questions, um, if you guys were able to write that down, um, there, there's a final evaluation question over all of these is what is a common theme that you see with the answers that you were able to you know, give yourself or write down if you did write it down? Um, and, and most times it will stem from probably one of four root idolatry issues. It's either because of power, approval, comfort or control. Um, with power you're you're willing to pay a price for power you're willing to sacrifice relationships or even increase burdens over your life most times your nightmare if 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 power is an idolatry is is being humiliated or failing oftentimes others will feel used and not important around you and with approval, if, if, if approval is a common theme, you're willing to pay a price of being less independent and being more dependent on people. And you're willing to pay a price of your integrity for approval. You'll compromise. And your greatest nightmare would be to be rejected, to be not valued. And oftentimes people will feel smothered around you or that you're needy in a way. Comfort, if comfort is, is a common theme, it shows that you're willing to pay a price of maybe being a little bit lazy, reducing your productivity and even limiting your responsibilities by not putting yourself um, responsible for a whole lot of things, making sure you do less. Your nightmare would be then be stress and demands that may be asked of you. It also might be change. You might fear having to go through change in your life. And then oftentimes people will feel neglected around you or hurt because you want to keep to yourself and you're, you're comfortable where you're at. You don't want to hold on. You, you see a, a brother or a sister as a burden. 
And the last one, one of the, the root idolatry would be control. You're willing to pay the price of being alone. And also, you're willing to pay the price of the good of others. You don't really care about those around you as long as you're right. Your nightmare would then be uncertainty about a lot of things. And maybe even feeling like you're out of control, that you don't have control over your own life. And then oftentimes people will feel condemned around you or that you're blaming them. And, and, and these are, you know, just the top four uh, idolatry issues that really go on in our hearts when when we try to look at a common theme with these questions. I know for myself, it's it's more so affirmation and control. Uh, but but the more we ask ourselves these questions and try to go deeper within our own hearts, the, the better and, and, and the more e effectiveness the gospel could really penetrate us when we see that ourselves. It's one thing to tell somebody the right answer, but it's another thing to help them to understand the right answer. And even for us, we, we need to really remind ourselves of the gospel. I mean, we can't stress that enough. And the last question I would like to, to ask, you know, if you guys want to answer as well is describe the last time you felt deeply happy in Jesus. For me, I felt like the last time I felt deeply happy in Jesus was when um, in season one, when we were doing the episode on adoption, we were doing a series of the gospel. We went through justification and adoption. And, and during that time of studying and and there was a lot going on in that time, I, I felt deeply happy where I was at. I felt deeply um, joyous in, in God because you know, I knew I was adopted. But when we were studying for that episode, it really hit me. Man, Jesus Christ paid for my sin. He was my propitiation for sin. And not only did he justify me, but he adopted me. God, our Father, adopted me into the family. I'm his child. He won't forsake me, nor will he leave me. And man, when, when I was able to really just continue to say that over to myself, I felt deeply happy. And now I could think back to, you know, videos on YouTube or Facebook that you may see circling around of children that get adopted by their parents, their, their now parents. Um, and, and just seeing tears overcome their face and even the parents' face and just seeing how uh, grateful they are to know that somebody thought of taking them into their family. That, that's, I, I feel like that's the last time I felt really deeply happy in Jesus. For me, it's uh, actually more recent. Today. This past weekend. Um... I'm going to just share a couple of things because uh, all of this, this whole questions really expose the idolatries of my heart. And uh, just as we have shared before that, you know, we, we got kicked out of our, our last church. And for me, all, all it was all these idolatries, you know, a power, a control, all the all of these things really exposed my heart. Because once uh, my pastoralship was taken away from me, I felt like uh, my worth was taken away from me. I felt like if uh, my identity was caught up in my ministry, 
And so when that was taken away from me, I just thought, what's the point of my life now? What am I supposed to do? And so silently, I've been suffering a lot lately. And uh, just this past weekend, just along the lines of what you said, Justin, just hearing adoption once again, dwelling on adoption, being justified. This is why the gospel is so important. All of us are in that process of sanctification if you are in Christ. See, this is the thing. This is a special thing. Don't fall into that, that, that lie that everybody's a child of God. No. This is where election comes in, too. That God specifically chose you, the believer, the Christian, the one who's been justified by faith. You're not only justified, you're adopted into the family of God. And I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a parent or anything, but I could just imagine parents when, when, they, when they have you know, their son, that they love him so much that no matter what they do, how much they get in trouble, you're always going to love your son. I've been hearing about the prodigal son, too. The prodigal son is not about the prodigal son. It's about a loving father who loves his knucklehead kids that are always getting into trouble. But God, the father, will always love his children. I've been hearing this series uh, by Matt Chandler called um, it's, it's about redemption about redemption and in this series he's talking about justification adoption sanctification all the process and I'm just reminded of what Jesus has done we saw this clip about uh, passion of the Christ just to put a, a picture of what Jesus actually suffered with that song playing in the background worthy is the lamb and, and that caught me like man G- Jesus did all of this not for the whole world but specifically for the believer that God God's wrath was satisfied on the cross so that when God looks at you as as we started off that your life is now hidden with Christ in God so now when God sees you he affirms you your identity is not found in your, your ministry, your pastoralship, or, or anything else, but your identity is that you are a child of God. And that's why the doctrines of grace has, has just been so beautiful to me. That our identities are found, that we are children of God. So to answer the question, most recently I've been reminded of this and exposing my heart through, the, through, this, through these questions. I'm... I'm seeking Christ even more now for comfort. I'm, 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 I'm relying on God's power to not go back to, to those comfort idolatries, to not find my worth in, uh, in the things that I do, but knowing that I have a family father who loves me and is there with me through the process. So to answer the question most recently, I've been happy with happy in Jesus. Yeah, I would say, man, when I had a moment with my daughter like two weeks ago where, you know, she was just convicted by scripture. I was just going over scripture with her and then, you know, she professed faith in Christ. And at that moment where she just prayed to the Lord and just, you know, just basically as an eight year old girl, repented of her sin and placed faith in Jesus Christ and man that was a good feeling that was a good moment and right there it's like God, you realize that God is faithful and you're satisfied in him because of the work that he does in us 
not just because of the work that he does in us, but like what he has done on the cross that causes us and the work that he does in us, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that feeling is like, especially to a parent, you know what I mean? When your child recognizes his sin and comes to the Lord and asks for forgiveness and then says, I want to be baptized. <laughs> so hashtag baptize your babies. <laughs> But yeah, I've, just recently I just felt really satisfied in in the Lord, you know, because of the work that I see He's doing to my children. I would like to uh, read a quote from the late Sinclair Ferguson. It says, "Although the story of the prodigal son is probably the best known of all Christ's parables, the lesson it teaches is often overlooked. Jesus was underlining the fact that the reality of the love of God." for us is often the last thing in the world to dawn on us. As we fix our eyes upon ourselves, our past failures, our present guilt, it seems impossible that the Father should love us. Many Christians go through much of their life with the prodigal's suspicion. And to your point, Victor, uh, it, it, you know, just like in that parable in the prodigal son, what did he do? What was he saying? What was he contemplating? He never once contemplated the love that his father had for him. He contemplated, you know, his, his like it mentioned, like St. Clair Ferguson just mentioned in the quote, you know, he, he, you know, his sins, his failures. And then he even, you know, thought of a way that, you know what, I, my father might not love me, but I'm at least try to uh, make even with him. I'll try to work for him just to pay off what I, what I took from him. And then maybe we'll be okay. But it never dawned on him that the father loved him still. And, and you know, just as we've been going through these questions of idolatry, uh, you know what? I hope it dawns on us, you know, for you, the listener, that, you know what? The father loves you still. If you believe in Christ, the father loves you. And he loves you still. And lastly, I want to... I want to end with a with a portion of scripture, John three sixteen to twenty one, and it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment." Because their works were evil for everyone who, uh, what's it called? Oh, sorry. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Um, I, I think that's a necessary portion for what we've been going over today. Uh, most often we keep these idols hidden in our heart or um, as NF would put in, his, in in our mansions, we will lock it up. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's because of the darkness that we fear to be exposed in the light. But if we are children of God, if we believe unto Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we have been justified and adopted to the family, 
there we we should recognize that 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 the father has love for us and that we can come into the light exposing ourselves allowing god to expose us and and you know whatever is lingering in your heart go before another brother or sister in accountability go before your spouse go before your pastor knowing that this is the work of god it is god who's who's calling you to to expose yourself in that way that you would get help and that the gospel will continue to penetrate your heart at the root issues uh, you know it's one thing you know that we could cover our sin and or even try to change habits uh, to make it seem like we're not as sinful as what's really going on in our hearts but it's another when we allow the work of god to take place in our heart to get to root issues that we may feel deeply happy in jesus so so this is reform rasa reform feelings reform no. feelings <laughs> And yeah, man, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, or rebukes, or if you just want to express yourself, whatever, um, send us an email, reformrasa.gmail.com. Um, we're working on the website soon. It will be up again, even better and more improved. Yeah. Don't forget to hit up uh, Redeemed Project, Project Radio. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon on Reformation Day, we said to launch. So don't forget to hit that up. And if you would like to continue to support us, if you are able to support us, you could click the link in our bio on our Instagram. It'll send you right to our GoFundMe. Yeah. Um, we also have an episode previously from this episode where we talked more in detail about the 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 project, the Redeemed Redeem project, project Radio, <laughs> our internet, the internet radio station that we are a part of. Yeah, um, coming soon. Coming yeah. soon. So, so man, man, if this was a, an episode that you enjoyed going through, um, you know, I would even challenge you if you guys were able to take down these questions. You know, if you have a study group, men's study group, women's study group, you know, go deep. You know, yep. that, that's that's how we get real accountability. That's how we get to deep issues in our lives. And that's how we get edification. That's how we get, um, man, encouraged by the word of God. Amen, amen. So we do this to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Grow as we grow. And little children, keep yourselves from idols. Arato <laughs> vatos. Later. Peace. Insidious is blind inception. What's reality with all these questions? Feels like I missed my alarm and slept in. Slept in. Broken legs, but I chase perfection These walls are my blank expression My mind is a home I'm trapped in And it's lonely inside this mansion Yo, my mind is a house with walls Covered in lyrics, they're all over the place A songs in the mirrors, written all over the floors all over the chairs And you get the uncut version of life When I go downstairs That's where I write when I'm in a bad place And need to release And let out the version of NF You don't wanna see I put holes in the walls With both of my fists till they bleed And you might get a glimpse of how I cope With all this anger in me Physically abused Now that's the room that I don't wanna be in That picture ain't blurry at all I just don't wanna see it And these walls ain't blank I just think I don't wanna see them But why not? I'm in here so I might as well read them I gotta thank you for this anger that I carry around Wish I could take a match and burn this whole room to the ground Matter of fact, I think I'ma burn this room right
inside Insidious as blind inception What's reality with all these questions? Feels like I missed my alarm and slept in Slept in Broken legs but I chase perfection These walls are my blank expression My mind is a home I'm trapped in And it's only inside this mansion Inside this mansion Yo, my mind is a house with walls Covered in pain See, my problem is I don't fix things I just try to repaint Cover them up like it never happened Say I wish I could change Are you confused? Come upstairs and I'll show you what I mean This room's full of regrets Just keeps getting fuller it seems Moment I walk into it's the same moment that I wanna leave I get sick to my stomach every time I look at these things But it's hard to look past when this is the room where I sleep I look around one of the worst things I wrote on these walls Was the moment I realized that I was losing my mind and one of the first things I wrote was I wish I would've called But I should just stop now, we ain't got enough room in this song And I regret the fact that I struggle trying to find who I am And I lie to myself and say I do the best that I can Shrug it off like it ain't nothing, like it's out of my head And get ticked off whenever I see it affecting my plans And I regret watching these trust issues eat me alive And at the rate I'm going, I'll probably still be there when I die Congratulations, you'll always have a room in my mind The question is, will I ever clean the walls off inside? Insidious as blind inception What's reality with all these questions? Feels like I missed my alarm and slept in And slept in Broken legs but I chase perfection These walls are my blank expression My mind is a home I'm trapped in And it's only inside this mansion so this part of my house, no one's been in it for years I built a safe room and I don't let no one in there Cause if I do, there's a chance that they might disappear And not come back, and I admit, I am emotionally scared To let anyone inside, so I just leave my doors locked You might get other doors to open up, but this door's not Cause I don't want you to have the opportunity to hurt me And I'll be the only person that I can blame when you desert me I'm barricaded inside, so stop watching years ago i let him in maybe that's a problem because i've been dealing with this ever since i thought that he would leave but it's obvious he never did he must have picked a room and got comfortable and settled in now i'm in a position it's either sit here and let him win or put him back outside where it came from but i never can because in order to do that i'd have to open the doors is that me or the fear talking i don't know anymore